Welcome to the Long Suffering Buds podcast with your hosts, Tom Gibson and Adam Knott. Are you? Are you leading in? I thought it was you. Uh, that's kind of Bush League, eh? This is uh, probably just what should be expected at this point. I can't believe it <laughs> took us this long. What is this, episode seven? <laughs> That's all right. It's all right. We'll get it. It's all right. We flubbed that one. We'll that's, get it next week. That's a good segue we'll to get... episode seven right. of the Long Suffering Buds <laughs> podcast. My name is Adam. I'm Tom. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm a little uh, I'm a little worn out. It was March break last week. I, I wasn't on March break, but the family was on March break. So yeah, I went to work and then came home and then had to do full loads of activities. And yeah, just recovering a little bit. Got to keep those kids busy busy huh? that's right if you don't keep them busy they will keep you busy my friend mm-hmm. yeah but my my week was also filled with lots of activities i went to chuck e cheese for the first time ever though right but i don't feel bad for you because you're on the reverse end you had march break ah uh, yeah, you were off true. you went to chuck e cheese during the day i'll bet didn't you oh, on yeah, a weekday. I did. yeah i did yeah, you know what i played guitar hero in a long oh, time yeah that's a good call they still have that eh? yeah it's the like one of the original ones too so i got to play what did i play oh sunshine of your love cream which it you know in my in my glory days of guitar hero was probably my best song (laughs) so i was thinking all these people would be coming up behind me and being like wow is he playing on expert right now this guy's serious (laughs) but nobody cared no eh? if anything actually hannah walked away and nicole obviously went with her to go to whatever she was going to so i was just a grown-ass man at chuck e cheese (laughs) playing guitar hero with nobody around (laughs) i can picture that (laughs) yeah i can it started to feel awkward by the end luckily hannah came back at the end and sort of watched good all right i don't look like a weirdo i heard you you have to uh apparently you have to have a child with you to go to chuck e cheese i would hope so right but i mean like it's funny that that's I mean, you know, it might be implicit, but the fact that it's explicit is hilarious. The fact that that's in writing, apparently. Somewhere. Yeah, they actually have uh, pretty good security at the door. Like, yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to get in, you're getting in. It's like a 16-year-old kid. But having said that, they will for like birthday parties, apparently, because there was a couple birthday parties going on when we were there. They don't expect all the parents to stay. So what they do is put a um like a unique stamp it's like a black light stamp on your hand as the parent Mm. and on the hand of the kid and they will not release that kid to anybody other than the person who has the stamp on their hand so that means you can drop your kid off for a birthday party and they sort of guarantee that they will not get out of the building until you return with the stamp to take them out so that's kind of convenient i suppose if you have an older kid and you can run out and take care of some stuff that is interesting Mm -hmm. i mean i would assume it'd be a pretty good method but that is an interesting choice yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize. I figured it was just kind of free for all. Right. Deal with it. But uh, anyway, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I have to say, I, I was impressed. I, I didn't think I would be, but I was. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get into our regular stuff. We're gonna obviously there's lots to talk about with the uh, playoff push coming up here. So we're gonna get into some uh, buds buzz. Actually, we're, we got we got sold out again this week by Jerry. I don't even. Did he even get an excuse? I didn't. I don't even, even think he's given reasons anymore. No, I know he's back. Right. I mean, he came back from his luxury uh, vacation. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Well, anyway, he yeah he sent us a text off today that said that he's uh, he understands if he's disciplined or if he's uh, docked pay, but he uh, he won't be joining us. But it's going to be like a like a, a welcome back. But I have to I have to tell you something. Murray actually sent me a text saying that he he felt he feels kind of jealous that he's been second fiddle to a jury. I think we got to give love to Murray this week. He makes a fair point yep. because he has done more than half of them. He's or, been sorry. He's been there almost all of them. Um, more than. More than jury, a lot more than jury. That's right, and we have been relegating him. He was, if jury is ever on, 
it, you know, in our lineup here, we have we have Jerry first and Murray second. I, and we touched on this earlier, but I think we're going to have to think rethink that. We might have to uh, slide Murray into the starting uh, rotation. Yeah, I mean, at some point. Or we could just Babcock it, you know, and go with the starting <laughs> just, lineup just in spite of their performance, it. you know. Jury's going to die or something, and we're going to be like, and coming up next is Jury. Yeah. We're, just, we're, not, we're, not, we're not moving the format. Yep. We're just Jury's first. Jury's our Zach Hyman. Yeah. He's going to be on the ice no matter what. No matter what happens. Yeah. Jury first. Mm-hmm. But no, you know what? I think we should th- we should rethink that. It should be Murray first. We'll talk about it. We'll fi- we'll figure it out. We'll we'll have a meeting. We'll have a meeting of the minds. Uh, yeah, and then we're gonna get into obviously there's lots to talk about around the league. Uh, uh, not you want to touch on Marshan? That's obviously a great topic right now. A few other things we'll get into. Like we said, we're not gonna ramble on this week. We're gonna keep this short and sweet. So on the other side, we're gonna get into some buzz, buzz. But not you have some stuff to take care of. Yeah. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher. Um, are both of our Twitters at Adam LSB and at LSB Tom. And yeah, I think that's it. That's so it. Uh, keep in contact with us. Please send us questions, comments, anything like that. Uh, we're happy to talk about things on the air. Um, so after the break, we'll be back with some Leafs chat. It's Buds Buzz, in-depth Leafs talk on the LSB podcast featuring Andrew Murray. Okay, we got Murray on the line. Murray, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Look, just before just just before we came on, uh, Not and I were talking about uh, how you know I got your message saying that you felt like you were playing second fiddle to Jury, and I know you're just messing around, but I think you're right, man. We haven't been giving you enough respect, and now we realize because Jury canceled on us three weeks in a row. Although I don't know his excuse, it might actually be good. I, mean, I should wait until I. But anyway, <laughs> three weeks in a row now, and that makes you uh, our our most frequently appeared guest on the show now. So we you are we are going to give you the credit you deserve. We bumped you up into the number one slot until Jerry can wrestle it back away from you. So even though you're even though you're numbers one through two and three this week, <laughs> you're you're number one this week, and you'll be number one until uh, until Jerry reclaims the spot. So there you go, buddy. There's your respect you've been looking for. He, he's not even getting a participant's ribbon. <laughs> Honestly, he's uh, he's out of sick time. I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's going to yeah. be off the payroll pretty soon. Yeah. Damn, uh, damn teachers. Eh? Government workers <laughs> just think they can just take whatever time off they want. <laughs> Murray, is your wait, job, wait, wait. Is your job wait, a government wait. job? Does that count as a government job? No, no, it doesn't. Your private sector. Yeah, I would consider it private sector. So but you, but so wait, you, back to this, back to this payroll you guys were talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, that, that whole that whole thing about us respecting you is gonna get flown to my face here if you find out the jury's on the payroll and you're not <laughs> payroll. Eh? The payroll yeah. means the pe- payroll means when you appear in studio, you get a beer. That's what the payroll oh. is. Yeah, you're. Oh, okay. Hey, Murray, you're in the you're in the private sector, so you understand the concept of internships, right? That's what that's essentially what you're doing for us for a while here. We're we'll, <laughs> we think this is going to lead to full time employment, but uh, we want to see what you're made of first for a longer period of time. Do I get the perks of internship? Because I've heard sometimes it's pretty good. You've got to earn it. We feel you know what, Murray. We feel that you've got all the tools in the toolbox to make it happen. <laughs> but you know what? It's up to you, buddy. So uh, you know what? We we're gonna give you the platform, and it's it's up to you what you do with it. So. Well, thanks, thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, we're gonna just touch on a few things in our buds, buzz, and then a few things around the league. Some pretty obvious things, obviously, around the league. Um, later on, we're gonna get into one of the one of the number one things is Marshand, obviously, what he's been doing in. Uh, 
Boston. But let's get started with some Leaf talk here. Uh, Not you've got a little pointer here, and uh, you see how I have it. See, it says a stinker between two gems. Yeah. Okay. Do you know why I put it in quotations? No, I don't. Because the stinker was on the other side of the two gems. It went stinker, good game, good game. Oh, that's my bad. No, I know. And you had that, to bring it right on the air. Dude, I there's, a, there's a reason I waited till now, <laughs> right? Because I because I knew this is a perfect opportunity. But Thanks. look, but I thought I'd point out it's even better than you thought because you're right. Those were two good games, but better than having a a, a shit break between them was uh, a back to back good outing. So. Uh, obviously five uh, five nothing in Tampa coming off of that that stinker in uh, Miami and then um, coming home and putting up a what every I think Lee fan felt was a valiant effort and if you would have told me at any point that you were going to get you know uh, a point against Chicago I'd sign off on that obviously right away so so all in all a success um, Murray let's throw it to you. Um, uh, what do you see in the uh, of the Leafs uh, recently obviously after they had that nasty california road trip uh the only game they've lost in regulation is the florida game which obviously wasn't pretty but still uh not not bad to have uh, uh that consistency of wins uh, after that sort of failing in in california are you optimistic going into this uh final stretch here or are you uh worried about the um the seemingly grind of a schedule that they're gonna have to deal with as long as those boys keep catching some fish i'm in <laughs> yeah they uh yeah that florida game let's just let's write that one off let's not worry about that let's move on picking up points against chicago we're in the game tonight against boston grind it out boys i think it's going to come right down to the end last few games are going to matter and hopefully we catch some teams sitting some high-end talent near the end and uh yeah it's getting tough it, it is, and uh, we can hope for that that high-end talent being on the bench thing, but I feel that uh, the Leafs have a tough stretch towards the end, and they have an opportunity here over the next week or two to uh, really sort of solidify themselves. Um, honestly, I was watching that Long Island game with Columbus on Saturday, and they just don't, they're not the same caliber as the Leafs. Obviously, I have a bias, I'm a homer, but they just did not look as strong as the Leafs. And I think they are riding Grice. I think that maybe their, their, their standings showing is a little bit greater than they actually are. Um, so I'm not overly concerned about them if the Leafs can say can stay consistent enough to keep doing what they've done over the last week. Um, what I wanted to bring up from that Chicago game, though, great game, fantastic make it to overtime and then fucking Zach Hyman is on the ice in three on three. Can either of you guys justify why he or Leo Komarov see the ice at all in a three on three situation ever? Like why they're ever on the ice there? Is there a, is there a logical reason that I'm just missing? I don't see much logic in it. <laughs> like Marner, Matthews, Riley, and then followed up with Bozy, JVR and Gardner or something and just roll them one after the other. Like, a it's, Nylander it's for good measure, too, right? Yeah, sorry, I forgot about Nylander. But, like, this isn't house league, man. Like, everybody doesn't need equal opportunity, equal playing time. Like, you're there to win. I, I don't get it. Even tonight, I'm watching and first the power play coming out of a commercial break. So everybody's rested. Who's taking the face off? Komarov. Like, what the fuck? Why is Komarov on the number one power play taking the face off in the offensive zone? It makes no sense. But, again... I'm watching this game at home and not standing behind the bench myself. So 
Yeah, you know, I guess obviously, like we said last week, um, we could sit here and try to speculate. To, to for people like us who are, you know, what, what I would call maybe a little bit more than casual, but obviously we're not we're not getting paid to do Mike Babcock's job. But I mean, but we obviously have an interest and we have some insight. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me how three guys and probably more, but at least the three of the three guys sitting here kind of all agree on that and say I just there's just no rationale for playing that player in that situation. Um, even when I'm trying to grasp straws, I, th- I was thinking, well, you know, Hyman probably uh, backchecks better than anybody on the team. But again, it comes back to backchecking is not really relevant in a three-on-three situation. When if you know if a player if 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 there's sort of like an odd man rush or a or a breakaway, there's really not much you can do, right? If you're not in the play, you're not in the play. It doesn't matter how much you are, you know, you're good in five-on-five. Five. But yeah, it's it's difficult for me to try to make sense of it. Again, I just keep keep trying to fall back on uh, it. It might be uh, Mike Babcock uh, with a, with a greater scheme than winning tonight's game because, like I said, if it's if it's if it's only about winning tonight. Sometimes I don't. I don't really understand. I think- I've seen a. Uh, sorry, sorry, not. I've seen a few teams play where almost the lacrosse style, where they come out with maybe a defensive set of guys, and then once they win the faceoff, it's like automatic line change. Boom! All three go, and you come out with your offensive guys. Right. Puck turns over. You have that quick change to defensive, but he just doesn't seem to even be doing that. So. From what I've seen, I mean, Babcock does do that. He has Boyle go out for defensive zone faceoffs a lot and just boot right off the ice. As soon as he wins the draw, he's gone, and and he's getting younger guys out there. I just don't. I don't see other teams doing this. Any team, I and the Leafs are not a strong overtime team. They're not a strong shootout team anyway. I don't see other teams doing it. And maybe you can argue Babcock is like a level above every other coach in the league. I don't necessarily think that that's true. It just seems so. In a three-on-three format, when you watch these other teams go, and, and, and if you've seen, I mean, you guys have both seen these guys adjust over the course of time since three-on-three started, right? It was just a complete fucking gong show when it first began, right? Nobody seemed to know how to handle it or what to do, and they've adjusted. So instead of constantly going for rushes, they'll go back into their zone, they take their time, they get set up, and they try to get something quick off a rush, right? Puck, puck possession. Exactly. Yeah. So they'll hold on to the puck as much as they can. And I just don't, I'm sorry, but Zach Hyman is not a puck possession player. Leo Komarov is not a puck possession. Even Nazem Kadri, I love Naz, but he, I don't think he should be out there in that scenario either. I think you stick to your high flyers and you stick to your, your good moving D. Yeah, Gardner and Riley, to me, are the only two D, maybe Zaitsev, that should see any time in, in that, that format. I just find it... I just don't understand what the checking purpose is. I mean, is that what it is? Is it check? Are you doing a checking line in three on three? Like I said, I think it has to do with. Um, I think I said last week, Hyman is the least skilled and the hardest working, and he, you know, he's fastest if if for only the fact that he's skate, he's pumping his legs is harder than anybody else some nights. Um, I would I disagree a little bit with you on Nazem Kadri. I'm fine with him on a three on three. In fact, I, I would honestly think that would be one of his strengths. But again, we, you know we're 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 splitting hairs. I, th- I we would both agree Nazem Kadri would be better than than Hyman, for example. Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna keep going on. I think. I mean, what I'm more worried about is this in a playoff situation because you know if if and when we get there, I don't know how much hair I'm gonna have left if I see these types of decisions being made in in clutch situations. But I think I think for the time being, this is what we're gonna have to get used to under a Mike Babcock regime. Uh, switching gears quickly, um, you wanted to talk about Gardner, which I actually was had brought. I was going to bring up if you hadn't, but uh, yeah, you know, we we when we when we first brought up Gardner, I think a few uh, podcasts ago with uh, Jury. Uh, Jury is is a defender of Gardner. As there's lots to defend, obviously he's a good player, but um, 
you know, the question about if is, is, are his liabilities or his, are his gaffes uh, enough to make up for what he does right. It does seem like when he shits the bed, he really goes for it. Um, it you know, <laughs> I, it, it, again, it might be magnified and maybe his, his mistakes are a little bit uh, unfairly, um, you know, scrutinized. Um, Murray, let's go to you here. Um, what's, what do you think about Gardner? Do you think, do you think he's a championship fourth, uh, fourth defenseman? Do you think you can win with him or is he sort of like a, um, a legitimate NHLer who's just sort of filling the role until you can find that guy that you can rely on? My answer may not be what you want to hear here. What do you you got? I, up until this weekend, I could not watch every Leafs game and I, for years have not watched every Leafs game because they have been so bad. But Super Sports Pack is now in my house, and I'm watching these guys. And like you say, his offense is phenomenal, but he just shits the bed defensively. And he he needs somebody that plays absolute shutdown with him. And um, if you can find the right partner for him, I think he's a good good second pairing. He's got speed. He's got moves. Uh, he just needs somebody to lock it down for him. I have to go back to Jury and, and agree with him, even though, look at, he's getting shout-outs and he hasn't fucking been here in three weeks, but whatever. You know what? I completely disagree with Jury. He's dead wrong. <laughs> Don't speak um, that name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think with uh, with Gardner, to me, and I was noticing it on the weekend, um, he was he looked like he was playing NHL 16 or something out there with his stick checks. Like I remember I used to make people angry all the time because that was my number one takeaway move in that game. I would just sit there <laughs> dangling my stick out all the time. Um, but he was awesome on Saturday night against Chicago, just picking pucks out left, right, and center. And I think that um, what Jury had said is that when he does things right, you just don't notice. Um, and then when he yeah makes his mistakes, as we've all agreed, they're horrifically glaring. Um, but I think he's played really consistently fairly well over the last while, aside from some stinking moments here and there. Uh, I do think that that calming presence would really help him. He needs to have somebody beside him that is a yeah, a calming veteran piece that he can know that if he does dangle around and make a mistake that there's somebody there to make up for it. I think he has the skill set to be um, on the team as they start making runs and, and a key part of the, of the, of the decor when they start making runs. Yeah, for me, something, something about Gardner that doesn't get... I mean, we sort of beat around this, but we don't address it uh, sort of directly. So this is where I come at it from, is sort of like, you know, some some players, if you're going to grade a player, for, you know, give a player a, a grade from 1 to 100, and, you know, 0 is me and 100 is Sidney Crosby, you know, you, you might grade players different ways and say they have strengths and weaknesses and whatever. The difference with, with Gardner is that his only weakness seems to be his gaffes. Like, you know, when he, when he plays at his... At, at his consistent, you know, top level, uh, you know, whatever, not making poor decisions and, and is playing intensely and, and playing, making good decisions. He's a really good player. I mean, he's a, an incredibly effective player. I would almost argue he's a first, first uh, pairing defenseman. But his weakness is simply the fact that you just don't know when he's going to have one of these complete, you know, um, defensive breakdowns. And if it costs you a goal, it doesn't matter how well he plays for the rest of the game, unfortunately. But even an example of tonight's game against Boston, I mean, he was essentially, as as uh, Ferraro pointed out there, uh, he was essentially the cause of that goal because he just gave up on the play. You know what I mean? It, it required an extra two strides for him to clear the puck, and he was refusing to commit that. So, it's, this is to me, this is what we're going to see in Gardner. We're gonna, you basically just have to hope you're getting the ninety five percent of the time Gardner that you see, and just hope that he just doesn't, you know, give. I mean, can you imagine at the worst time, right, in the playoffs, something like that, low scoring game. This whole discussion, and, and it just pops in my mind, 
if you took the name Gardner out and inserted the name P.K. Subban, like, it's the same discussion that Montreal just went through with P.K. Hmm. Is no question the offensive side is there, but can you live with the defensive liability? And Montreal couldn't, and they traded away arguably the, other than Price, the best and most favorite player in that city. So It's an interesting point, actually. You know, um, I hadn't thought of it that way, Murray, but you, you, uh, you might have nailed it there just for the, for the point that, yeah, PK on his when he's at his peak, you know, I mean, there's really nobody, there's not many people that are better than him in, in the league, but you could say that about a handful of players, he's probably one of them. But you're right, yeah, his his problem is probably the same the same problem as Gardner and the question is can you live with that in a defenseman? I think what makes it sort of a little bit more, you know, you can swallow it a little easier when he's your your second pairing guy and you're not relying on him if that's what Gardner ends up being, but I can see why Montreal would have made that uh, that decision. Obviously, if that's your number one guy or one, you know, your number one, one of your number one players, even forwards or defense, is Gardner tradable then? Oh, for I mean, sure, if for we, sure he is. Yeah, I mean, the Leafs are in no position to be dealing away young D. No, but um, now that we've seen him, it could be one of those things where I don't know. You see teams pay a hefty price for a player, and it looks like they're they're banking on the small bit that they've watched of them, but a team seems to know more about, you know, it, it almost actually reflects the Subban thing too, or everybody, I mean, pretty well, I know I did, jumped all over Montreal when they made that trade. What, how stupid, but they're sure looking pretty intelligent right now, especially after that weekend against Ottawa, where, you know, if they make a run for it, if they hit close to the cup finals, it doesn't matter what happens four years from now, you got to give them credit for that trade. But I would say, if, I'd say if they win the cup, you could, you did, if they put it this way, if Montreal wins the cup, you can't call the trade a bad trade no matter what. No matter what happens down the line, it doesn't matter if P.K. Subban wins the Norris Trophy six times. If you Ultimately, if your goal was to win the Stanley Cup and you won it, and a part of what that is attributed to the moves, you know, the decisions the general manager makes, I don't think you can call it a mistake, in my opinion. But that being said, I mean, like... You know, if if you're Montreal, if you're, you know, we're looking at we look at that trade and we've been judging it this year. That's all well and good, but we do have to judge that trade in a you know a seven year window, in my opinion, or even eight. You know, what, it, it's not just about those players and what they are now. It's about what those players are doing at the future in the future, and also what their contracts are demanding of you know uh, the team in the future and and and, and cap hits and and all these things. Um, but let's not stick with that. Let's move along here because I said we wanted to keep this. Short and sweet here. What, so, Murray, one, you got one something? Quick po- one quick point. Yeah. Can yep. you guys make a note for uh, season nine of LSB that we review the uh, PK <laughs> Weber deal? <please? laughs> yeah. I think that year we'll have to be talking about a bunch of those contracts coming off the Leafs books anyway. Uh, so, that'll be a good time to do that. Aren't we still paying for. Uh, I think that's <sighs> Kessel yeah. comes off. Yeah. Uh, no, not even Kessel. There was a couple of people I heard mentioned recently, and they were names I hadn't heard in quite some time. That I was like, "Wow, we're still." Is it Gleason? Are we still paying for Gleason? I think it was because it was Nonus. I now I can't remember. Whatever doesn't matter. All right, and uh, one good thing to see, gentlemen. I'm sure you'll agree. It looks like Austin is back. Yay! He had a week off from our podcast. So we got to bring him back now. Well, I mean, as soon as he scored a goal, everybody was going to say he, you know, he's back. But you know, I'm not. Whatever. He's he was never he was never gone. He was just whatever. He took a he took a small break. I just want to point out, Murray, before I get your take on that, um, when he uh had his little um drought in uh you know, the beginning of the season, right after he he lit up the league, he had his little uh what thirteen game goal list drought or whatever it was in November. After that he scored four games in a row. So just wanna point this is Boston game that we're watching here is game number two, uh since that first one, so just wanted to point that out. 
Murray, uh, what have you seen of Matthews lately? Obviously, he decided to get back into the conversation of the Calder. Um, is he is he still can he can he beat Lining for the Calder? I mean, we're going to keep talking about it, but um, yeah, do you, do you do you see him just uh, stretching this out down into the playoffs, or is he slowing down? What do you see? He he just to me looks like you're what you what you wanted when you drafted him was that number one centerman. He seems to sort of do it all. He's got the shot. He can score. Um, he looks good. Um, he 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 never gives up on the play. He's always skating, and he seems passionate. So uh, he's everything they want. And just be patient with him. He had a few games off in his rookie year. Let him keep going. Yeah, I saw a uh, a picture. Uh, um, so I don't know what it, Jerry showed me this picture on uh, Twitter, and it, anyway, it was a buddy of um, Awesome Matthew who's, said, "What was that?" Who's right? Jerry? Yeah, who's Jerry? Who's Jerry? Yeah. <laughs> who's Jerry? yeah. So anyway, this photo that his buddy had of him, it was a picture of Awesome Matthews with the shirt off, and I mean, he's like, you know, he's at the time I don't even know he might have been, you know, even younger, eighteen or something. But anyway, his his stomach was fat with muscle, like it looked like. You, it looked like a beer gut, but it, there was a six pack. So I mean, like he's at, at even at that age, he's he's got the physique of a man, and just the way he carries himself on the ice. I mean, you can see it, right? I'm glad that uh, you're so into Austin's physical form, there, uh, Tom. He he does look like he's well in shape. You I'll know give what? Him that. Austin Matthews' physical form is of genuine interest to me for the next twenty years, and I'm not ashamed to admit <laughs> it. I don't give a shit. He's a, w- he's a specimen. I want to know that he has good core strength. <laughs> and I want to know that he is doing all of his sit-ups and <laughs> yoga. It, that That's what's exciting about watching a guy like that. And, and when Winnipeg has it too with Line A and a lot of these young guys coming in, you know, it's obviously a young man's league and that's happened over the last decade or so. Um, that's the exciting part, isn't it? That this is what he is at 19. Right. What's he going to be at 21 the, and 22 <laughs> and 24 and 26 and so on? And time will tell. Just, Go ahead, Marie. Just make sure you guys aren't uh, talking about the underagers that aren't drafted yet. <laughs> <laughs> With their shirts off. <laughs> yeah, moving yeah. moving on. Uh, we we did touch on that. Uh, we got this written down here as the uh, we were touch, talking about three on three lineups, but we did touch on that. So let's uh, let's move along because I'm sure we'll probably come back to the Leafs at some point just <laughs> through uh, osmosis or whatever it was, so to speak. Yeah, we're going to get into uh, Around the League talk after the break with Murray. Welcome to Around the League, featuring Andrew Murray. Okay, we're still on with Murray. Going to jump into some league talk, if that's cool with you, Murray. Can you give us a few more minutes? Yeah, definitely. I have a little commitment to the podcast, not like some others that people mention anymore. (laughs) Just relentless. Shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? He deserves it. And yeah. if I were you, you know what? You got a gun for that position, Murray. I got gotcha. <laughs> you. And you guys, you guys said if he wants to uh, try to wrestle me back to the spot, I'll gladly, I'll gladly bare knuckle box that boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so league talk. Actually, at the top of the list, we were going to talk about Marshan because he seems to be the hot topic around the league. But actually, you know what? I'm going to pull an audible at the line and let's jump down. Let's start in with the Montreal Ottawa. Back to back because we got Murray on the line after those all. were great games. They really were. They were awesome. They really were. And you actually have noted here something that uh, the quote from uh, Guy Boucher, and I made a point of not asking you until now because I didn't hear the quote. So I want to hear that from you. But Murray, first of all, I want to get your take on uh, that weekend back to back against or with uh, Montreal Ottawa. I hate to admit it, but Ottawa has a good team. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, that's how I, I felt. I, I really hate to admit it, but they, they're like Carlson just solidifies the D. They've got good players up front, and Anderson is playing some inspired hockey. So, and, yeah, Montreal, on the other hand, Carey Price is Carey Price, and that toe save on Turris on Sunday night, that was phenomenal. I, I, I was just, uh, I was wowed that both of those games, they were just so exciting to watch. You're like edge of your seat uh, um, watching it. How much do you think, Murray, by the way, since you brought up Carlson, that, that it is really that Ottawa is, is so good? Um, and how much is it that Eric Carlson just picks that team up, throws them on his back and says, all right, let's fucking go, boys. We're going second in the division. We're going to the playoffs. I'm doing it. Oh, you! He's worth the price of admission. Like he is so good to watch, and TV doesn't do justice what he does on the ice. But that I again, I hate to admit it, but they have some good players and some guys that are quietly going under the radar. I remember last summer when uh, up here, anyways, everybody was trying to make the case that Mark Stone should be on Team Canada, and it's like, come on, Mark Stone! Like no way. But the guy's a good hockey player, and. He's not, uh, I wouldn't say he's one of Canada's top 20, but he uh, plays his role really well. Hoffman is uh, this little guy that just skates around and just buries the puck. And uh, they got a good team. Montreal, on the other hand, but they picked up Byron. Was it Byron? Off waivers. 20 goals from a waiver wire pickup. Like uh, some smart moves on their part, too. Galchenyuk's playing well. So we better not call Goody anytime soon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Murray, I was, uh, I was going to say, um, what, ha- what happened to the pesky sends? Was that two years ago or three years ago? What was it? When was that when they were doing that? That was, mm. uh, I don't know. That was like three, four years ago. I think I'm just surprised. It seems to me like that it's a, it's an appropriate name for them now, just because again, maybe, you know what, it might just be the, because of the, you know, the market and who they are and sort of their identity within the NHL, but yeah, it seems like they don't get the respect. I could see them, you know, running away with the league and, and not getting enough respect. Is you know what I mean? Is that is that fair? Do you think that they could always they could always have that moniker of the the pesky sends or how do you guys what's what would you say is that, what's the mood in Ottawa in terms of do you think that there's a an identity crisis for the Senators? Do they feel like they're uh you know uh uh No, I don't I don't think so. Like Chris Chris Neal hasn't played a game I think since the trade deadline. And, like, nobody's talking about it up here. Like, that would have been, like, I don't know. That's That guy's, like, a career player up here. And he's just kind of cast away, in a sense. And nobody's talking about it because they're they're doing well. So Yeah, we remember uh, Chris Neal from the old uh, Leafs-Sens rivalry back in the day. I, I didn't realize he was being benched right now. But, you know what, to your point, Murray, um, you know, winning fixes everything. And... Uh, and if you're, yeah, if things are rolling well, it doesn't. Nobody's going to complain about who you're sitting. Uh, not. I did want to get your take on. You had mentioned the Guy Boucher quote. What was the quote you were referencing? Yeah. First of all, I've always had a soft spot for Guy Boucher. I love Guy Boucher. Uh, he seems like a great. I, I would love to to experience what it's like to play for him. I just wanted to to. I don't think I'll ever get to talk about Guy Boucher on the podcast again. So I just thought I would mention that. <laughs> hey, I love any, the guy. Anytime you want, yeah. buddy. And and I'm not a huge uh, Ottawa fan, obviously. Um, but he, I always have a soft spot for him. So anyway, um, he mentioned after the game. I just thought it was so perfect because you get so caught up in the minutiae. And we're guilty of it, too, because we're doing a freaking podcast on it. I just think that uh, 
his point was was really strong and he was like this is amazing right they were asking him are you really upset over over them not pulling it through in the end on saturday night and he was like no this is this hockey is amazing this was awesome to watch the fans loved it we played a great game montreal played a great game and they won that's what hockey is so that's awesome um, I just thought it was a really like lighthearted, nice sort of reminder for the rest of us that this is what we pay for. This is what we pay for, right? You're getting your super sports pack there, Murray. And, and you know, I, I didn't pay for that game specifically, but man, did I ever enjoy both of those two. And, and that's really all you can ask for, right? Regardless of who wins or loses, that it's exciting while you're doing it. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is an entertainment business. And, uh, you know, they sometimes I think it's important for them to remember, you know, I know you want a tight checking game with you know, a score of two to one or one nothing or something like that. But at the end of the day, uh, a game that's good for the fans is a game that's good for the sport. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> you know what I would argue? I would argue that's the difference between me and Gary is that Gary's not always interested in what the fans want. Gary wants to attract people who aren't currently fans. That's that's my beef with Gary Bettman. Uh, but let's not get into that. <laughs> you're uh, on your Guy Boucher thing, so... Here's a quote for both of you. Not you love Guy and uh, you love Carlson. So Boucher the other week, I don't know if you heard what he said about Carlson. Um, did, did either of you hear it by any chance? No, I didn't hear that. I don't think so. He, yeah, he was, he was just, they asked him something about Carlson and he was just kind of sat back in a sense and he just said, and I'm, I'm reading it online here, it says, you look at Carlson, what a player, Boucher said. I don't know if people here realize how good this guy is. This guy, this is a guy you're going to look at for the next 50 years and go, wow, this is going to be one of the greats. I'm behind the bench, so I don't have to pay for my ticket. But trust me, I would pay for my ticket every game. He's unbelievable. He's doing it all now offensively and defensively. And the last little piece is what's kind of interesting to me because he's always had the offensive side and he's been a defensive liability. But this year, he's actually playing defense as well. So, and I that's, don't know. that's something that I, has been brought to my attention. Again, you know, I mean, just as, you know, we have to be full disclosure here. I don't watch every single Ottawa game, but as 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 it's well known from you know our circle, I'm a big Carlson fan. So he's one of the players I look for to to watch if he's playing on any given night. But um, you know, so and, and again, if we're going to take it with a grain of salt, what I'll say is, you know. It seems like any coach would would say something like that about their superstar player. But where I'll give Guy Boucher the benefit of the doubt and give him a little bit extra leash here is that I honestly I agree with him. I I think Carlson is a very special player. I think I think he's the type of player where his asset, what he does best, what he does the very best, he probably does better than anybody in the league. And there's and you know I mean you can count on your hand how many people are the best at something that you know in the league. So. For for what he does, I know, and don't get me wrong, I have all the respect in the world for Brent Burns and what he's done this year. Um, but for me, Carlson is um, he what he does. He does better than Brent Brent Burns does, and that's no disrespect to Brent Burns. Brent Burns is just having a phenomenal year, and he's a great player. And you know, nobody should be surprised at what he's doing. But I have to agree with with uh, Guy Boucher. There's there's just something that it, it's hard to overstate how good of a player Eric Carlson is. In my opinion, he's so he's so hands down. You know, one of the, one of the the top. You know, what five, maybe three players in the league for me. He's phenomenal, guys- and um, th- I wanted to to jump in and say I, I don't know if you guys heard the um, Eugene Melnick talking about Carlson and the Olympics. 
Um, yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you about. That's, that's an interesting one, yeah. That, that was really yeah. interesting. Um, so in case any of the listeners don't know, um, Melnick gave, what I mean, he didn't mince words. He essentially said, I don't want Carlson at the Olympics. Why would I? He's my, he's my moneymaker. He's my draw. Um, he's so important to this team. I don't want him there. And Carlson, you got to give mad respect. I always love when, when people know how to handle themselves professionally. And he did not jump on it or anything. He just said, I think every player would agree with me that we all want to be there. Um, straight response. And I, I don't know how to feel about that, but it seemed like kind of, I've always respected Melnick. So that was kind of a, a, a weird out of nowhere kind of thing. So the one thing that I wanted to jump in on right away, which I think is critical, I'm surprised you didn't, I don't know if you didn't know this or forgot it, but um, the most critical part of that statement, which is he said at the same time, was that Melnick said, you know, to your point, he's my he's my guy, he's our player, he's our best player. Why would I want to risk him getting hurt in the Olympics and coming, you know, not being able to return for our team? But then, and I'm sure Murray, you're aware of this, and you know what I'm going to say. Um, but he said, especially for Team Sweden, it might be different if it was Team Canada. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so. Although I agree with Melnick, right? I mean, fundamentally, I, I, if I was an owner of a, if I was in Melnick's shoes, exactly, I would think like that. Exactly. This is my guy. I pay him millions of dollars and I want him to be healthy for me. On top of that, why would I want to help Team Sweden? I want Team Canada to win. So, I mean, I agree yeah. with him completely. That being said, I don't think that was an appropriate thing for him to think. <laughs> to say and i don't think that it's an appropriate uh guide for him to make his decision i I, that's what i think even though i agree with him murray um obviously there's it's probably been blowing up uh in the media there uh what what more can you tell us about this and what's your opinion on it and how's how's that city been handling that uh that those comments well the the thing about it is ottawa gave uh the Czech Republic, the Czech Republic, Dominic Hasek. And in 2006, six, Hasek got hurt and it cost the Sens a run at it. And that's where Melnick's coming from. He's like, look, I gave my best player once before and he got hurt and you guys cost me a chance at the cup. So, you know, why am I going to do that again is his mentality. And uh, I don't know, the city kind of it's like 50-50. Half the people are like, oh, let him go. And half the people are saying, well, no, don't get our best player hurt for games we can't even watch because it's going to be in the middle of the night. And so it's uh, it's mixed emotions up here. That's for sure. I really have been thinking about it after he mentioned it. I don't really know how I feel about it because I think that the, the players should be able to do what they want. You know, if I think about my own employer, they can't control if I want to go out and do something exceptionally dangerous on the weekend as a hobby for myself or something, right? So if I try to think of a player from just an individual perspective, they should be able to if they want to go compete for their country to be able to go do it. But then on the other hand, it does make sense as a business person to want to, to mitigate any kind of risk. Um, in terms of a player getting hurt but it, i don't know who was the guy that got hurt um he was like golfing or something and he it was some stupid injury Eric and he was out. yeah yeah and he was out for almost the whole year as a result of it i just feel like you know it can happen in a lot of other areas other than that and when you think about the, the greater good isn't the greater good to have the best players in the world competing at the olympics two two comments on that for me number one for so it goes back to i'm if i'm going to empathize with the owners it uh, just it just makes complete sense. As soon as you're paying somebody over a million dollars to do, do their job, I think you have the right to say, 
part of your job is keeping your body healthy outside of your outside of the workplace. So avoid things that could hurt you. Period. And especially a player that's making six point five million dollars like Carlson. So from that perspective of the owner, I completely agree. It's completely reasonable to say you make a ton of money, and I think you, I, I think it's okay for me to ask you to you know refrain from doing things that could possibly hurt you. Again, though, going back to the perspective the perspective of the players. Um, I tend to agree with you not a little bit in the sense that, you know, not only should a player have the, um, you know, the right to, to choose if they want to go, I'd like to bring up the point that I think that's going to happen. And, you know, not, I haven't heard people talking about this in, in, you know, on, on sports shows, on talk shows. And I really want to know the, the plausible scenario of the NHL deciding not to go and what the players decide, because, it's not going to, we all know Ovechkin's going regardless. We all know that, right? So and he's got the backing of his owner already, right? So if that's happening, where does that end? And if that happens, how do you, if, I mean, how, if you're the NHL, how do you even approach that situation? Do you address it? Like, you know, you've got your star players that are walking away from their teams, it, like without permission. I mean, that's going to happen. I don't know how many players are going to do it, but it's going to happen. And there's probably going to be a co- at least a couple of big names like we said, Ovechkin has the blessing of his owner already to do it, so we know that's going to happen. I'm curious to know what happens in, especially like for think of some you know some patriotic, you know superstars. What, Murray, what's your take on this? Do you see this happening? Like, I uh, see. I view it as a. I view it as almost a leverage point for the players to say, "Look, if you don't agree to go, we're fucking going anyway." So, if you want mud on your face as the as the as as Gary Bettman, you go right ahead. But at the end of the day, you better make it look like this was your idea. You're going to be in shit. Like, the Olympics have got to be your best on best. If you're going to go, if you're you're all in. And if guys start breaking their contracts and just going all rogue, doing whatever they want, doing whatever they want, I think the league is going to look pretty silly. Um, does the league suspend him? Do the team suspend him? Like, you take Sidney Crosby, say he goes for two weeks and uh, Mario didn't want him to go. Mario's not going to suspend him when he comes back because Mario wants him in the lineup. So um, I think the NHL's just got to make a decision, yes or no. And if it's no and you go, these are the repercussions. Just lay it out there for the players because the longer they they – debate this and don't come up with a straight answer. Like, I think Chara called them out today and said, like, you guys got to figure this out. And um, it's just a big standoff for money between the uh, IIHF and the NHL and Gary Bettman and Rene Fazel. And, like, these guys just got to man up and make a decision. And I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I think I got to vent on what I wanted to vent about, so... I think um, that that for me, my opinion is that the the NHL should be letting them go. It's the greater good. It's if you really care about hockey fans, you know that's what we want to see, and you take it as a as a part of the risk of being a hockey team owner and having those players playing for you. It's just a, a nature part of the game. Cost it, of doing business. Exactly, it yeah. is what it is. It's a it's a it's a risk. It could happen, but none of those players are going. I can't wait to go play in the Olympics and get injured on purpose to screw over my owner. Like it's not happening that way. They just want to. Obviously, they're the best of the best, and they want to, you know, compete in in that kind of environment. I get that. Having said that, I think maybe we can slide along. There's a couple more things I want to get to really really quickly with Murray. Um, one of them is Brad Marchand. 
Um, and then I do want to get to Don Cherry really quick before yeah, we go because I, I thought that too. was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk about Brad Marchand because I hate that guy, but goddamn, I kind of love that guy too. Uh, and even watching the beginning part of this game, you can hear him on the mic like while the game's going on, just chirping away and, and doing what he does. Um, he has, I mean, lights out, right? Third in the league. He's been unbelievable since the New Year started. Um, I think the highest he's ever been is something like in the, in, I want to say 35th in the league in scoring prior to this in his entire career. And here he is chilling in third, catching, I think he caught Connor McDavid just now with that, with that first point um, tonight against the Leafs. First of all, I mean, he's often called an underrated player, but I think that's an understatement at this point. My second question is, does he not qualify for Hart Trophy candidate? And a lot of people would look at maybe Rask and say he's played well, but um He's had a lot of terrible games. He's had a lot of uh, shit performances, too. It's not like I know that because I have him in fantasy or anything, but he's had some some rough nights. Uh, and I think Marchand, like, besides that on Boston, they've been flying. And, yes, they have Pasternak. I'm not going to take anything away from him. And Bergeron is solid, too. You know, they're they're an aging team in general. So for Marchand to kind of do what he's done, do you guys think he uh, should be in the conversation for the heart? I just want to jump in quickly and say I think I think it's been apparent now for a little while, um, probably going back to the the last half of last year, that unfortunately, to the dismay of Leaf fans and Montreal fans everywhere, Brad Marchand is the real fucking deal, and he's a treat to watch. As much as I hate watching him play against my team, um, he he's so much more than a pest, you know. I mean, that's that's what he was. That was, that's what his his label was, you know. Um, when he sort of came into the league and what what he was ultimately going to be capable of, I don't really think anybody, um, you know, may, there might have been people pegging him as a second line guy, but certainly not a number, you know, first line, first power play, you know, leading your leading your team in goal scoring and possibly the league you know no nobody pegged him for that type of player so it's nice seeing those stories i mean i wish it was against uh, i wish it was for somebody that i actually liked um but yeah what he's doing is special good for him he's actually he's he's got a big fucking mouth and he's really putting his his uh his money where his mouth is uh this year murray what's your take on marshan and what's what he's been able to uh do this year I heard uh, somebody say they were talking to him and they asked him, like, what happened? Like, how did you go from test to, like, top-end score? And he was like, yeah, I was kind of getting old with it, so I thought I'd reinvent myself. Like, how do you just decide <laughs> I'm going to, you know, if I'm just going to be the best, one of the best players in the league? Like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. I would have, I would have, I would have done that a long time yeah. ago. You know what? I'm going to reinvent myself as of today to yeah. be the world's best podcaster, <laughs> starting right now. Uh, it might have to be within reach. I think that's sort of the stipulation. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Like last last year when he got 40 plus goals, it was like, okay, that's an anomaly. How did that happen? No big deal. Moving on back to Brad Marchand being the jackass that everybody hates, and then he. Does it again this year? Like, can he keep it up? Can I, I he do this again. I think he can, and when I say that, I, I mean, I mean, I think he's got a period of time where he can sustain this, and I think this is the peak of his career, right? I mean, what is he? He's probably about what thirty or something, or whatever he is. But he's he's peaking. I don't think anybody expected him to peak this high, but yeah, he's peaking. Good for him. I, I don't know if he's going to keep it up in like the the four or five year term, but I he's, think he's twenty eight. By the way. Twenty-eight. That's even worse. He's gonna he's gonna be doing this for five fucking years. 
Um, no, good for him. Nobody, I don't think anybody saw it coming, but what he's turned into is it's impressive. It's, um, it's probably a, uh, a beacon for anybody who's coming into the league as that type of player to know what you can aspire to. Does it make him that much more valuable that he's able to do that extra, the getting under the skin piece that a Crosby and a McDavid oh, aren't, aren't capable of doing? So fuck it, yeah. if you're going to put up that score, that, that score sheet or sorry, his skill set, and he's unbelievable. And, and, um, I can't remember who it was. Is Ferraro, I think, yeah, doing the color was mentioning how, how fantastic he is at gaining the zone and, um, just slipping through and you could see that on the first Boston goal like that was all Marchand created that entire situation um, you have that and then you combine that with his ability to just like he was getting under Zaitsev's he was getting under Soshnikov's skin like these are guys that I have not seen getting upset over things and, and Marchand comes in there and in half a period has them swearing their brains out and chirping them like crazy to me that's that's such a great asset to have too yeah I think I think if there's a list of uh, assets you want your player to have you know, there's a bunch of people that would agree on a bus, you know, some basic ones. So size, speed, skill, uh, nastiness, you know, and and sort of that 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 pest pestiness or whatever you want to call it that he has. But so any any time that you have any sort of uh, attribute like that that you can throw into your bag, I mean, so the one so the knock on Marchand is his size, but as we've seen the you know new NHL, it doesn't seem to matter at all. Um, but I mean, if you can just add that to your toolbox, that's just a benefit as far as I'm concerned. It's amazing that he, like you said, you, you can classify him in the same category as an elite goal scorer and, you know, the guy you love to hate, the guy that everybody hates but wishes were on their team. Is the last, like, is Lindros the last guy that was kind of like this? Uh, that's a that's a loaded question because I, I, I haven't even thought of that. But I mean, off the top of my head, that's a that's sort of a, this is what I would say. The The reason why that's a good comparison is because they ultimately there was the same effect. What I would say was different for me is that Lindros was imposing with his size and his physical play, whereas Marchand, yeah. Marchand uses his fucking mouth more than he uses his fist. Yep. True. True. Either way, it's annoying that the last two things we've talked about are, are how good Ottawa has been playing and how great Marchand is, another team that the Leafs are directly competing with, so god damn oh. it. Anyway, one last thing I wanted to get to before you take off, Murray, real quick. I'm not sure if you guys watched the Coach's Corner on Saturday. We haven't touched into analytics too, too much here, but uh, <laughs> comical. It was funny to watch the Twitter reactions to, to Cherry calling uh, analytics guys nerds, essentially, amidst a, a bunch of completely nonsensical uh, uh, stuff after and before, really. Um, essentially, you know, implying that the stats guys don't understand, uh, you know, what it means to, to have a good player. I think he actually essentially argued what the analytics guys would argue, which Pretty is much. that, you know, possession is great or whatever. But anyway, you no, he, ar he argued, argued the opposite. He said he said that the play, the, the Boston, when they beat Calgary after that 10 game win streak, Boston was dumping and chasing the old good old hockey. Never mind possession, dump and chase, get it in their uh, right, zone. Right. That was the point. He was he was beating up on analytics people. But I just want to quickly say I didn't even think of this till right now. But good on you, analytics community, for hitting Don Cherry up on Twitter where it really hurts him. <laughs> <laughs> like you think he even knows like what device you would use to tweet like. <laughs> Didn't you hear him say like who's Kathy or something? Like I, I don't know, Kathy put that one out there. I believe like, I believe Kathy's his daughter, and that's and is also his manager. My Kathy might actually be his manager, whatever it is. But yeah, no, and of course, I mean anybody who's I mean I follow him only because one you know because I do, but well, I don't know why I do. But anyway, 
But no, when you see the tweets he puts out, like clearly he's got somebody managing that for him. I couldn't. I mean, I mean, to me, for me to imagine Don Cherry tweet tweeting what on his BlackBerry, like I can't. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just don't visualize it. And in defense, flip phone. Of the, flip phone. Yeah, yeah. In defense of the analytics community, um, he was yeah essentially arguing then that yeah possession doesn't matter referring to the nhl's best possession team in the bruins (laughs) he had a great suit on though yeah that that he did i think he wears that one every it it was cool though to see the reactions happen it was kind of watching the the twitter verse after um as i kind of was like "Uh uh-oh uh-oh they're gonna get rolling on this but you could see the uh the old boy supporters coming in there the guys with like three followers and pictures of them with a tank top on and you know drinking two cans of beer at the same time or something being like damn right don <laughs> <laughs> fuck all those analytics guys <laughs> all right murray well that wraps up our uh our lineup here we want to thank you again and we remind you that you're you've bumped up the lineup how does it feel to be number one in the lineup now uh, pretty good i uh i didn't get a shout out for predicting my second major event in the nhl though remind me a little again. upset about that remind me what was i that? I believe I said last week that Malkin's amazing, but he always fucks you in the fantasy playoff. And, uh, uh yeah. he did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Point. that. And two games later, he's now not sure when he's coming back. All right, Murray, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks again. We did keep you a little longer than we thought we would and we wanted to, but we appreciate you almost an hour. We're at as always. As always, yeah. So we appreciate it. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to keep you in your number one slot, uh, until jury, uh, can give us a better reason to put him back in there. So thanks again, Murray, and we appreciate your contributions. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate the uh, contributions in uh, the contract you guys be sending me. Heard about that payroll this week, and uh, we'll have we'll have yeah, we'll have so. our secretary send it over to you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Jur- so jury, I'll be sending that. <laughs> Burn. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. See you, fellas. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, yeah, good segment there with Murray. Um, what, how do you think Jury's going to take that, his demotion? I don't think the Jury's going to care so much about the demotion as much as we spent the majority of the podcast talking about the Leafs' direct competition rather than the Leafs themselves. Fair point. But you know what? I think I think the point is that uh, every Leaf fan is doing what we're doing right now, scoreboard watching, watching the standings, seeing where your rivals are at. That's true. And uh, this is kind of the time, this end of March segment here, where the Leafs can, can pick up a, little, uh, a few wins. Columbus is obviously going to be quite a challenge on Wednesday as they have been playing exceptionally well. And actually, weren't they the first team to, to get a play, to clinch a playoff spot on Sunday, I think? No, sir. That was uh, Washington the night before. Oh, uh, yeah. So number two, anyway. That's right. yep. It's still pretty good. Um, and they have New Jersey the following night, which is a winnable game, but that's a back and back-to-back with Columbus the night before. Uh, Buffalo Saturday... Uh, Florida again next week, a little rematch. Hopefully uh, the Leafs will come out flying there. And then Nashville, which to me, all of those games, uh, really other than Columbus, it'd be great to see something out of that. But all of those games are very winnable games for the Leafs, and they really have to stack up the points here. As we were just talking, those last uh, last couple of weeks are brutal. Yeah, and no excuses with travel there. Nashville's only a, a, a hop away. Um, I think it's less than a two-hour flight. So, um, you know, you hope they can win those quote-unquote winnable games sliding into april they're gonna they're gonna see a you know again too i don't want to say easy it's just so scary to say that but again you call them winnable games 
uh, Detroit and Buffalo, um, uh, you know, with a, with a day rest in between. Uh, coming back home on on after the back half of the Buffalo game, playing Washington. That's that's the example of the game that I called completely unwinnable. If you win that one, I mean, pat yourself. If you get a point out of that one, I mean, that's considered a a, a clean victory as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, win the games you can win. Finish out the season with Tampa, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. And I mean, again, you know, this is an ideal. I think the last three games will be played in four nights. The last six games will be played in nine nights. Yeah, that, that was just going to say that. That's brutal. It, it is brutal. And it's really not like anything we've seen in, in modern scheduling, as far as I can remember, and, and which doesn't make sense when you consider it, I guess, is the bye week. But, you know, when you consider what they did with the... Um, with the Olympics, I guess, what do they do? They shorten the schedule in the Olympics or they just really crunch it down or how do they do that? It's still 82 games, isn't it? Yeah, but I've never, I don't ever remember it being this. No, this that's, crunched that's, up. that's what I mean. I, I can't make sense of it, but it's probably the matrix with every team needing one of the, one of that, you know, when they're doing the Olympics, everybody has the same time off. So it's a little easier to work with than all of these teams separately needing. Plus all those outdoor games, they'd have set up to those and they often have a couple days off before they play those outdoor games. So, uh, it might be it must be really tough actually designing the schedule matrix especially with all the different uh yeah things going on in each of these arenas and Christ that. I can imagine I mean half the, half of these arenas are being share, shared with an NBA team so it's it, I in some markets the NHL team gets gets priority but I would imagine the majority of the American markets to the NBA teams got the priority so anyway uh I digress um yeah we're gonna have lots to talk to obviously uh we're, we're heading into the fucking the home stretch this is here, the holy man. grail right yeah, here so it. uh hopefully the listeners are going to enjoy this as much as we have been it's just great to be towards the end of march at the <laughs> i don't ever remember at the end of march break ever talking really recently about the leafs being close to a playoff spot other than the shortened season but yeah right we exactly. don't like to talk about that no the, the year we shall not talk about. <laughs> you know what whatever i'll take that season it's all part of it's all part of the experience of being a Leaf fan, but no, you're right. It's uh, it's exciting. Like I, th- I said last week, you know, I heard somebody say, you know, Edmonton fans, Toronto fans, welcome to a playoff race. You know, this is it's not it's not awesome until you get in, but you know, once you get in, it's, it feels like you've already won. So, uh, yeah, obviously, we're gonna look forward to it. Um, it really would be nice to see them get in. You know, I know, I know that sounds like maybe an over oversimplification, but. It, I don't just think one round. That's all I want. You know what? For me, it's just that the fact that I don't think I don't think the the season would be considered a loss if they if they don't make the playoffs. I just feel like um, it would just be like the, a nice little. I don't I don't expect anything. To your point, I, they don't have to even win a round. But for what they've done this year, going from last place to making the playoffs, if they could just if they could just get that done and not even you know make a. Make, rattle a few cages in the first round that's all i would ask for that's all i could hope for as a leaf fan if they get that, that done that would be awesome it would complete sort of the cinderella story in the in a sense right and you, i don't know you don't have cinderella just kind of getting turned down at the ball after all that right <laughs> sorry maybe next year closing time cinderella yeah <laughs> off you go maybe next year cindy yeah so yeah that's gonna be fun um obviously that's what we look forward to and it's gonna be fun uh watching it. it's gonna be fun talking about it all right, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week again, guys. Thanks again for all the comments, um, good and bad, email, Twitter, anything. Hit us up. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Long Suffering Buds podcast. Connect with the Buds on Twitter at at Adam LSB and at LSB Tom. See you next week. <laughs>